the book of Genesis, the 8th chapter. Genesis chapter 8, I want to read verse 1 through 4. going to look at this chapter basically in its entirety this morning. I want to talk about a new beginning. A new beginning. Genesis 8 beginning at verse number 1. And God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuaged. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained and the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. And the ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. Father, today I'm thankful to be in your house and I'm thankful for the opportunity to open your word and I pray today that you would speak to us. I pray today that you'd give me clarity of mind and precision of speech that I would say exactly what needs to be spoken and I pray that you'd open the ears of the people to hear and the hearts of the people to receive. And today, God, whatever we need, I pray that you would meet that need today. And I pray that you would change our lives and when we leave, I pray that we would be different. God, do now what only you can do through the preaching of your word. You've promised that your word would not return void. And so, God, have your way in this place. And we will thank you for all that's done. For it's in the name of Jesus we do pray. And the people of God said, Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to talk about a new beginning. The number eight in the Bible, if you were to study numerology... The number eight in the Bible is the number of new beginnings. And today we're starting the eighth chapter of Genesis and in the ark there are eight people. In this chapter that we're going to study, they're going to leave the ark and they're going to have a fresh start. They're going to have a new beginning. The flood waters they're going to recede from the earth and God's going to call them from the ark and they're going to leave out, they're going to branch out, they're going to start over and God's going to make a covenant with Noah and God's going to end up putting a rainbow in the sky in the ninth chapter letting him know that never again will I destroy human beings according to this way again, never again will I send a flood upon the earth. And God's going to let Noah know that I'm going to give you a new beginning. I'm going to give you a fresh start. And I've come today to let you know that God can give you a new beginning. God can give you a fresh start. That things may not be going the way you would like for them to go. Things may not be happening the way you would want them to happen. But God can turn things around and God can give you a new beginning. Amen. I'm thankful that when I was lost and in sin and when I was headed in a direction that I did not need to be going in, that God came to my rescue, God found me, and God gave me a brand new beginning. Amen? That God came and He rescued me and God canceled the past and God did a new thing in my life and gave me a new beginning. That's the God that we serve. He is the God of new beginnings. He can cancel the past and He can give you a fresh start. 
from this chapter today, there are three lessons that I want to share with you if you need a new beginning in your life. So if you're taking notes, here's the first thing I want you to write down. God never forgets His people. God never forgets His people. And we find that in verse 1. In Genesis chapter 7 verse 1, Noah was invited by God into the ark before the rains began to fall. But that was the last time Noah would hear God's voice until we get to chapter 8 verse 15. For over a year, Noah didn't hear from God. And I wonder if Noah ever felt abandoned by God. We know that Noah was a man of faith because he obeyed God by building the ark. But here's the thing, Noah was a man just like you and I. Noah was flesh and blood just like us. And it couldn't have been easy to be shut up inside the ark with his family and all of those animals. For 40 days and nights he could hear the rain beating against the ark. But after the rain stopped, the only sound he could hear would be that of the water sloshing against the sides of the ark. I can only imagine what was going through the mind of Noah during all that time on the water. And I, I wonder if he ever had his doubts. And to be quite honest, I couldn't blame him if he did. He had done what God told him to do. In fact, we talked about Noah's obedience last week, how he did everything that God told him to do. He didn't leave anything undone. He didn't leave anything unfinished. And now for a year, he hasn't heard from God. He preached to an unbelieving world and the only thing he has to show for it is his wife, his three sons, and their three wives on the ark with him. He went into this enormous ark that God told him to build. There's not a raindrop falling from the sky. The sun's still shining. God tells him to go in this boat. He goes in with his family. And now he's on this boat. God's not speaking the Boats bobbing up and down on the waves and one day fades into another. He can't see the sun because of the cloud cover. There's no course to follow. He's not got a steering wheel to pilot the boat. He's just drifting on the surface of the endless ocean. He probably thought, hey, God's going to speak to me. I'm going to feel the presence of God. But he didn't hear anything. For a solid year, God said nothing. And I imagine Noah felt forsaken. I imagine Noah felt abandoned. I imagine Noah felt forgotten by God. But if you look at verse 1, it said, And God remembered Noah. Amen? God called Noah into the ark. And God was there the entire time. Amen? God may have been silent and Noah may have felt abandoned, but God hadn't forgotten about Noah. God was there the entire time. God may not have spoken to him and Noah may not have felt his presence. Noah may not have heard anything. Noah may not have gotten any goosebumps or any chills from the presence of God. But I promise you, God had not forsaken him. God had not, had not abandoned him. God had not walked away. God had not left him in the ark by himself. God was still a very present help in the time of the flood. God was still there. God was still present. God was still there in the midst of the ark during the time of the flood. 
good. And you might be here today feeling forsaken and forgotten and abandoned by God, but I've come to let you know that God never forgets His people. God had kept His word to Noah and God had kept him safe. God didn't leave him high and dry. God didn't abandon him. God didn't walk out on him. But God was still there. God may have been silent, but God was not absent. Amen. You see, even if God is silent, God is still present. Amen. You see, God never promised us anywhere in His Word that we would always feel Him. But He said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He will be there with us. David said, even when I walk through the dark valley, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they will comfort me. Listen, God will be with us. Amen. God does not forsake His people. He remembers us. He doesn't forget us. Listen to Isaiah 43 verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. God never forgets His people. Aren't you glad for that? Here's what Warren Wiersbe in his commentary said. We can be sure that God never forgets or forsakes His people, not only because of His promises, but also because of His character. God is love, and where there's love, there's faithfulness. He can never deny Himself or His Word, for He's the faithful God, and He can never change because He's immutable. End of quote. Listen, God loves you, God cares for you, and God will never leave you. God will never abandon you. I know there may be times you're walking along and you can't feel Him. Times you're walking along and you can't hear Him. But I promise you, God is there. I promise you, there's times you're walking along and you're wondering, God, why have you forsaken me? Just think about Jesus on the cross for a moment. My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? But listen, God is ever present. God is always there. He never abandons us. When you're in the fiery furnace, He'll be the fourth man in the fire. When you're in the den of lions, He'll be there to shut the lion's mouth. Hear me, I'm telling you, God will be there. He never forgets His people. Just like God remembered Noah, God will remember you. Amen. Hallelujah. But there's a second thing we learn. The life of faith is often a life of waiting. Look at verse 4 through 12. It says, The ark rested in the seventh month on the seventeenth day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month. In the tenth month on the first day of the month were the tops of the mountains seen. And it came to pass at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Also he sent forth a dove from him to see the waters, if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. And she returned to him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. 
Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her in unto him into the ark. And he stayed yet another seven days. And again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came into him in the evening, and lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. So no one knew that the waters were abated from off the earth. And he stayed yet another seven days and sent forth the dove, which returned not again to him anymore. The text tells us that the ark has come to rest on the mountains of Ararat, and Noah, he's probably thinking, hey, it's not going to be long before me and my family is going to be getting off this boat. We've come to rest. The water is going to decrease. We can start to see the tops of the mountains. Me and my family is going to be getting off this boat before long. But here's the reality. It's going to be approximately seven more months before he ever hears from God and God ever tells him to come off the boat. Think about that. He's going to be sitting on that boat for another seven more months, sitting still on a mountain peak before God ever says anything and he ever comes off that boat. But Noah, he starts looking for signs that it's time to get off this boat. He sends out two birds. He sends out a raven, and that raven begins to fly to and forth. And it doesn't say anything about the raven coming back. Many scholars and commentators say the raven didn't come back because the raven was a scavenger. There were plenty of dead carcasses that the raven could feed upon, so the raven didn't come back. But the dove, it's a clean bird, and... He went out and couldn't find anywhere to rest, and so the dove came back. But here's the thing. Noah's looking for signs to get off that boat. He's looking for an end to his captivity on that ark. He had obeyed God, and he had trusted God, but I'm sure like anybody else, he was ready to get some space, and find some relief from all those animals. And if we could just be quite honest, I'm sure he was trying to find some space and relief from his wife and his children and his daughters-in-law. Let's just be honest. He was probably tired of being around the animals and everything the animals do. Think about it. Also, he probably wanted his family to have a little bit of space. Imagine being a year or a little longer cooped up with your wife, your sons, and your daughters-in-law. Imagine you living under one roof with your wife, your three sons, and their wives for a year. Can you imagine what it would have been like if you got in trouble, husbands, and you couldn't get out of the house and had nowhere to go? Let's say you get in trouble with Ms. Noah and you've got nowhere to go. So I'm sure Noah, he's probably, he's ready to go somewhere. But he's having to wait. He hadn't heard from God in a year and he's just, I'm ready to go. He sees the water evaporating and drying up, but he, he, he's just ready to go. But here's what you have to think about. God told Noah when the flood was coming, but he didn't tell Noah when the flood was going in. He told Noah when to get on the boat, 
But it didn't tell him how long he was going to be on there. And so Noah's faith is being tested. You see, Noah had to be patient. Noah had to wait in hope, and so his faith is being tested. Noah's still on the ark. The ark has come to rest, and he's still having to wait. He's having to wait on the door to be opened. He's having to wait on God to say, Come on. And so just imagine how Noah felt now that he sent out the dove, and the dove didn't come back. Look at verse 13. It came to pass in the 601st year, Noah was 600 when he went on the boat, now it's the 601st year of Noah's life. In the first month, the first day of the month, the waters, notice this, the waters were dried up from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark, and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. He spent a year. The 12th verse says he sent out the dove again. The dove didn't come back this time. He looks out now. The face of the ground looks dry. Everything looks good. But the door's still closed. Noah's waiting. God's still not speaking. How many can relate to Noah's situation? You're praying. God's not saying anything. You're reading this book, and it seems like God's not doing anything. You're in a holding pattern. God, when are you going to move? How much longer is this going to be? How long, Lord, until you move? How long until you step in? How long, God, until you turn this situation around? You see, all of us know what it's like to have to wait. All of us have been where Noah is, waiting on God. But here's the thing. We can endure almost anything if only we know when it's going to end. Can't we? If we know when it's going to end, we can endure anything. That applies to sickness, personal pain, broken relationships, troubles at work, financial stress, or even watching loved ones suffer. Whatever it is, we can take it if we know that two weeks from next Tuesday, it's going to come to an end. We can endure it and we can suffer through it and we can put up with it if we know there is an end date to it. We know that we can get through it if it's coming to an end. But here's the thing. It's the not knowing that wears us down. Amen? It's the not knowing that gets to us. We watch and wait and wonder and pray as the uncertainty gnaws away on the inside. You see, our chief question is always this. When will this end? And here's the answer. In God's time, not one day sooner and not one day later. A life of faith is often a life of waiting. And we don't like that because we want God to do it and do it now. We have a microwave mentality where we want it now, we want it instantly, but here's the thing, you can't hurry God up and you can't rush Him along. God could have dried up the ground anytime He wanted to and got Noah off the boat anytime He wanted to, but God said, Noah, you've got to wait until the right time. And for some of you today, you've got to wait until God says it's the right time. Because God's time is the right time. 
Amen? And so here's the thing. Let me just let you in on something. Waiting on God is not wasted time. We think it is sometimes, but waiting on God is not wasted time. But here's the thing. We're going to spend most of our lives waiting. We're going to spend most of our lives waiting. And we're going to spend a lot of our Christian lives waiting on God to move on our behalf. But when God shows up, it's the right time. When God shows up, it's the perfect time. But here's the thing. We struggle with waiting and what we do in the meantime is important. I feel Him this morning. And I just want to encourage somebody and let you know you better not get ahead of God because if you do, you'll find yourself in trouble. You need to let God work everything out in your life. You need to let God work everything out in your situation. Because when God does it, God will do it right. Amen? When God does it, God will do it right. God will do it correctly. Because if you do it, you'll mess it up. If I do it, I'll mess it up. But if we'll say, God, I can't handle it, and God, I can't do it, but I'm going to wait on you, God will do it correctly if you'll wait on Him. He's never early. He's never late. He's always on time. And we've got to learn to wait on Him. Amen. Which leads me to a third and final lesson this morning. God's faithfulness should evoke a response of worship. Look at verse 20. Verse 22. It says, And Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. I don't believe it's coincidence that the very first thing recorded that Noah did after he came out of the ark was worship God. Noah's first thought was towards God. Noah's first thought was to lift up a sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise and worship to the Lord. Noah's sacrifice was an expression of gratitude for God's salvation. You see, Noah knew his own heart. Noah knew had it not been for the grace of God, he would have perished just like everybody else. And so Noah expressed his thankfulness with his sacrifice. Noah recognized that he owed everything to God. You see, Noah is thankful that God is giving him a new beginning. Noah is thankful for God's grace. Noah is thankful that God has been faithful. In other words, God remembered Noah, and now Noah is remembering God. Think about that. God had remembered Noah, and now Noah is remembering God. Let me just say something to us today. Because God has remembered us, we need to make sure we're remembering God. Amen? Because if we aren't careful, we'll forget God and where He's brought us from. Think with me for a moment of all the other things that Noah could have been doing when he stepped off the ark. Think of all that he had to do to start over now that everything had been destroyed. He had to build a home for his family. He had to put up shelter. 
He had to take care of all the domestic animals. He had to get them off the boat. They had to get everything off of the ark that they'd put on there, all the food and everything else. And they had to get it to their new homes. They had to take care of all of these things to settle down and start over. And yet Noah takes the time to remember God and God's faithfulness. He takes the time to build an altar and offer sacrifice to God. And the text says, He takes of every clean animal. Read your Bible. He takes of every clean animal and offers a sacrifice. He didn't just offer one animal. He takes of every clean animal. Now think about it. He didn't take but, I believe, of seven of the clean animals. And He's going to take of every one of them. I mean, there could be a shortage. He's got to start over, repopulate the earth. But yet, He's going to be extravagant in His worship. Because God's been good to Him. In other words, He gave a costly sacrifice. Because God was faithful. Simply put this morning, because God has been good to us, we should worship God. Because God has been gracious to us, merciful to us, it should do something to us that want to praise Him and magnify Him and honor Him. He took of every clean animal and bird and offered sacrifice to God. And verse 21 lets us know that God was pleased with Noah's sacrifice. And I tell you, when you give praise to God from a sincere heart, God is pleased. When you offer up your worship to God, God is pleased. When it comes from with everything within you, God is pleased. Amen? Now here's the thing, like Noah, most of us have a million other things we could be doing with our time. And if we'll be honest, it gets easy to get busy with life and forget about God and His blessings. But when we forget what God has done for us, we grow ungrateful. And ungratefulness leads us away from God. I'm afraid that many times we're like the nine lepers who get healed and never return to give thanks. We need to be like the one who comes back to Jesus and gives Him praise. Because Jesus said, where are the nine? Let me just ask you this morning, which are you? Are you like the one, the Samaritan that came back? Or are you like the nine who keeps on doing your own thing, going your own way? Or are you like the one who returns and gives thanks to God? Let me ask you, when's the last time you were truly thankful for what God's done for you? When's the last time you truly worshipped Him? When's the last time you truly praised Him for His faithfulness in your life? You might say, preacher, I don't have a whole lot to be thankful for. Here's the thing. You're alive today. You're here today. If you're saved and on your way to heaven, you've got so much to be thankful for. He gave you a new beginning. He gave you a fresh start when He gave you new life. Eternal life. Amen? 
And that alone is reason enough to praise Him. That alone is reason enough to be thankful. That alone is reason enough to be grateful. You see, let me, let me just say this. If we would think more, we would be thankful more. We've got to guard ourselves against thankless hearts. We've got to set aside time to learn how to worship Him and be thankful for the salvation that He's given to us. Because God has remembered us, we've got to make sure that we take time to remember Him. Amen. As I close this morning, I want to say to you that we serve a God of new beginnings. He offers new life and He offers hope. And if you're here today and life is chaotic, God can turn everything around. He hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't forsaken you. There's also going to be times you're going to have to wait on Him. There's going to be times you're going to have to let God work everything out in your life. And when He does, you need to rejoice. When God turns it around, you need to be thankful. And you need to worship. Your praise may not look like my praise, but you need to give Him praise, whatever it looks like. Amen? Because God has done great things for us. Has He not? God has done great things. God has turned things around in our lives. And God has given us a new beginning. I want you to stand with me this morning.